the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. And Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, hmm. Amazon, not the best quarter. Amazon is a really, really difficult company to analyze. I own no shares of Amazon directly. Maybe through like some mutual funds, I own some. So it's it's tough to really put a finger on. I love Amazon. As a service, it probably makes me happier than any other service out there. I get to order planter boxes, and they come to me magically. I don't actually have to go to the store and go, ugly planter box, ugly planter box, ugly planter box, ugly planter box, ugly planter box. It just comes to me magically. Open up a box. I try to recycle the box, do what I can. The problem is that Amazon has to constantly, constantly be working with people to make their services better because we hear about better services. Like there used to be, you know, uh, to meet a girl used to like go to a bar and chat and Say, hey, I like your ring or I like your earrings or something like that. And then came Match.com and you're like, okay, frumpy, frumpy, frumpy. Mm, interesting. Frumpy, frumpy. Mm, interesting. And it just it continually evolves. And retail is evolving too. And I don't think most people realize that. So Amazon.com had a quarter that is upsetting to a lot of people. 
Now, Amazon.com, again, it has to continually reinvent itself. Remember a couple of years ago, because it was an internet company, you didn't have to pay sales tax? That was a very big, attractive draw. And then the state started getting nod of that. Like, hey, we want our local income taxes on this. And pressure, 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 and ultimately they had to pay. Um, now, is Amazon a retailer like Walmart? Walmart sells cheap stuff to people with low to moderately low income. Whereas Amazon, eh, they're more like a Costco, more like a club membership. You pay $99 and you get stuff delivered to you. Costco's average client makes about $90,000 a year. Costco is not a Walmart in any way, shape, or form. So Amazon had a quarter that wasn't very attractive. They have to continually evolve. And they've spent an enormous amount of money in order to do it. So Amazon ultimately fell about 10% after their quarterly result because people are like, hmm, what's going on here? They missed by 12 cents operating income above guidance estimates. They report inline revenue. And again, how do you, how do you analyze Amazon? Are they a Costco club? A couple of years from now, they're going to be the largest club in America as far as people paying for access to get you know, goods delivered. One analyst today is downgrading them to neutral. Another analyst is going out of their way and saying, you know, hey, um, they're doing too many things. What's up with their TV product that streams media? What's up with their tablet? They've got a phone out there now doing too many things, and their phone's just getting lousy reviews. People say it has really cool features. It just doesn't have all the apps that Google and Apple have. So analysts are downgrading them today. Basically, um, their guidance. Their guidance was not very good. So some firms are moving the sidelines until they can get a better sense as to when the companies will be winding down some of these investments. Amazon is, for their part, they've said since day one, we are in it for the long term. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I did enjoy that commercial when it first came out. Um, so is it, is it like, are they going to have a great second half of 2015? Like, it's really tough to put a finger on this one. It's one of my favorite stocks to talk about. It's one of the most good golly, great Google and Moogle to companies to talk about as far as analysts goes. Um, you know, their guidance for the quarter, they're going to next quarter, they're going to lose somewhere between $400 million and $800 million. Not 400 and 500. Not 450 million. We're going to lose somewhere between $400 million and $800 million. That's a lot of money. And that's a, that's a whole, and I, I have so many dirty jokes that I could say right now, that I can't say because I'll get fired. But that's a hole that's pretty darn big. My last girlfriend was a Wookiee. She had a lot of hair. You got to stop calling the show, honey. You got to stop calling the show. It's over. I know you had a crush on me with my radio voice and all, being all sexy and all that good stuff, but you got to stop calling the show, baby. It's over. With that said, uh, if you want to go see the Planet of the Apes movie this weekend, we can do that. That'd be nice. I got a date. So I got that going for me, which is nice.
Eternal life? Eh, not so much. Date with a Wookiee? I'm in. So Amazon.com reported a loss of 27 cents a share. Blah, 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 blah. Visa had a tough quarter because Visa's, you know, they do business in Russia. They do business in Israel. And, like, things are just messed up in the world at this point in time. And eh, not so much. So Amazon, I think the bottom line is, and I'll get off of it after this, is that uh, people don't know. Like, when you used to sell books and lost money, we're like, okay, one day you'll make money selling books. When you used to sell DVDs and made mo- lost money, we're like, okay, one day you'll make money selling DVDs. And they started streaming DVDs, and, like, it's pretty brutal out there. And the question mark is, the question, riddle me this, Amazon, is procurement of online business just always going to be a game where you lose money? Or it's, is it always going to be a game where it's really expensive to do it right? You know, for me, my personal website, robblack.com, I had it developed seven years ago, eight years ago, and it was nice. And I kept it for four or five years, six years. And then I was like, uh-oh, starting to look a little old. And Amazon's kind of in that game too. And they do these um, Amazon online services where you can like rent space on their, their network. But, and here's the big button, prices keep coming down aggressively. So do you analyze it as a company like a, a mini Netflix? Do you analyze it as a company like a, a, a Costco? Do you analyze it as a company that you know is getting a piece of the action that other people are selling stuff? Do you analyze it as a company that is building up a distribution network that's pretty powerful? Do you analyze it as a, a network? You know, they've got House of Cards. They've got um, three original kids series, Droids, now available for unlimited streaming on the Prime Instant Video. Not watching a lot of kids' shows. Is it a good show? I don't know. I have no clue. Um, but it's a tough company to value. And that's all I have to say about that. Find me online. It's robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I always have seminars coming up. You can sign up for one. I'm going to do a Money 101 for the basic investor very soon. Really soon. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Go look it up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So I want to know what time it should Simmer down and poker up I want you We can bring it on the floor Never dance like this before We don't talk about it Dancing on Do the boogie all night long Stoned in paradise Shouldn't talk about it I want you We can bring it on the floor Never dance like this before you're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that's on your mind, drop me an email, Rob. RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob at RobBlackShow.com. Don't be shy. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake people make with money and investing is that they get a little bit too passive. And again, I don't think that's a very good idea, all things considered, when it comes to money issues. Um, anything you want to talk about we could talk about? 
Um, let's see. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, you know, this was an interesting week. This was uh, earnings week. And one of the things that we saw was Apple is really having a problem with the iPad. But they're rocking it with the iPhone. They're rocking it with Macs. But their iPad is is pretty problematic. And yet, inside their numbers, we saw some pretty cool things like um, Middle East growth in iPad, China and India. Tablets are still very much so in their early days. But I think really importantly, one of the things that no one really brought up was the iPad usage in Fortune 500 companies. 93% of the global 500 companies currently use iPads, and pretty much so all of the Fortune 500 companies do. That's pretty dominant. And pretty prominent. You might remember your childhood where you'd save like milk la- uh, soup labels, take them into school, and whichever class got the most would get a pizza party. And th- those labels were used to like buy Apple computers. And I'm not even sure how or why the whole mathematics were done, but it, it got people using Apple products at a young age. You get people using Apple products in a business world, it's kind of similar to trying to feed that market at a young age. So tablet sales in the enterprise sector, um, there's very strong commercial demand for tablets, and that's not going to go away. Apple now has a relationship with IBM, and it's it's pretty concrete. Again, for the record, I own shares of Apple, and I'm not pushing my own, you know, per se. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Hey, Rob. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. What you got as far as uh, what's the what's the pulse out there on on the housing market? Some recent data has been a little mixed, to say the least. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, new home sales are, are falling. Existing home sales have gone up a little bit. I think that's showing a price point that a lot of people are hitting across the nation. There's a fifty thousand dollar difference between the median price of an existing home and a new home. Um, so nationwide, we're seeing that price point being hit. Um, we're back up to five and a half months of inventory. Uh, last year, we were about four point five, four point eight. So inventory is increasing nationwide. I mean, here in the Bay Area, it's a little bit different. I, I think we're still seeing uh, an increase in inventory. We're still about half of what we were last um, at our average. But um, it's still causing multiple offers and over asking price. So it's, it's still pretty competitive. It's a great time to be a seller unless you're looking for another house. And I think that's what a lot of people are, are, are running into as well. So there's, there's price point issues, affordability issues. You know, rates are still good right now. Um, uh, they're still well below what they were in 2007, yet we're having problems with affordability. So it's kind of a weird transition into our next phase of real estate. You know, it's like everybody wants to embrace a recovery, but we just don't know where it's ending at this time. So let's talk a little bit about that. What if you are that second-time home buyer? You bought your first condo. Um, it's gone up a lot in value, but the houses that you want to move into, the single-family homes, have also gone up in a great value. Um, I've got one person that I can think of specifically that's in that scenario. Um, how do you go from, where's that juggling act of selling the first house, having a place to live until you can buy the second house? How it's, do you pull it off contractually? It's tough. Um, and, and that's, and I was talking to a realtor last night about that. It's one of the tougher transactions that a seller is going to accept. So you really, really have to massage that scenario uh, the best you can, like doing what they call rent backs, 
Um, so what you do is when you sell your property, you're going to ask for rent back so you can live in your property 30 to 60 days. That gives you enough time to find a new property. Um, and it closes. That way you have a closed property. You have the money in your pocket. That way you don't have to do a contingent purchase um, with the sale of your property. And that looks a little bit better. But it's still about finding the property. I'm not suggesting that you sell your house, live in it for 30 to 60 days, and then hope you find a house. I think you obviously start. Uh, you get an idea of what to expect. Um, you know, expect if it's quality property and in a quality area, you're going to you know pay 5 to 10 percent over asking price. You're going to have multiple offers. So you're looking for, you know, capturing as much down payment as you can into that offer uh, and working with an excellent realtor that, that hopefully knows the other realtor that you can start, you know, kind of strike a deal on the side where they say, you know, what do we need to, what's our price point? Where do we need to be to get this offer accepted? So it's really, that's a tricky situation. And I think that a lot of people in the Bay Area are doing that. And that's why the good realtors are really working well right now, um, because that's, that's where the deals are. Any advice on how to find a good realtor that can help you juggle these transitions? Well, I work with good realtors, but you know, I don't work with a realtor in every single city. And, and that's really what you want to do is find a, a realtor that works in the city that you want to buy in because they're going to know the other realtor that's selling that property. Um, so, and that's, it has become pretty difficult, but the, what, what has happened over this last eight years is a lot of bad realtors have kind of dropped off, including in the mortgage industry. So the, the ones that are left, there's, there's a pretty good pocket of, of, uh, and pool of good realtors out there right now. Um, but I do have a pretty decent list if you know, people can always contact me or... How can uh, they contact you? Well, uh, bayarealonesource.com, Tony at bayarealonesource.com. Um, but you have to have a gut feeling about it. You have to go go through the process of interviewing your realtor no matter what. Uh, make sure, you know, I f- funny things, like make sure they have a cell phone. I actually ran into a realtor that didn't have a cell phone. Um, make sure they're responsive. Um uh, you know, I, I know there are some realtors that will turn away clients if you don't have a large enough down payment, things like that, or you're not realistic in the price range. Sounds good. If you want to find a good realtor and or a good mortgage lender, contact Tony Mendez, com. That's com. Speaking more specifically, how are rates doing? Um, are they settle down? Are they creeping up, creeping down? Something, you know, I was reading an interesting article that was um, some analysts over at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, said that, you know, one of the things that they've noticed is how the yields have on the long-term and short-term are, are, are coming together. The gap is smaller. And we're also seeing that with our rates. Jumbo rates and conforming rates are shrinking that gap. So it's pretty cheap right now for jumbo rates. And that's really important for the Bay Area because um, that means that it's more affordable for that higher and higher-priced home, those higher-priced mortgages. Thanks very much. You can find me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We've got a big event coming up a couple weeks from now. You can sign up for it. It's a Money 101 as well as a retirement planning event. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's in the Bay Area. and It's probably pretty close to you, so go check out robblack.com. And also you can sign up for the newsletter there. It's absolutely free. Keeps you up to date on when events are as well as gives you some stock ideas typically every month. It's robblack.com. Tony Mendez can be found at bayarealonesource.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Roberto Negro y Doleros, el especial. What do you want to talk about? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. There's no website, robblackshow.com, but there's an email address, rob at robblackshow.com. So legally, I'm trying to protect myself and kill my old email address and just make that a private and personal email address. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. My new email address, rob at robblackshoe.com. When you sell a house, what price do you put on it? Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. What have you seen realtors do with pricing? Are they in this market? Are they getting a good fair price based on comps? Are they aiming a little high with the initial bid? Are they aiming a little low knowing they could get more offers? What do you see in pricing? So we, we've seen it come a little, be a little bit more realistic lately. Uh, over the last couple of years, we've seen realtors price well below um, fair market value to incite that, um, that activity, and it worked very well. Uh, you're getting 10, 15, 20 uh, offers on a property easily. Uh, it slowed down quite a bit. Um, you, you can only get so greedy um, and with, without losing that traffic that you really need. Uh, a good realtor, I think, will find the good comps in the area. Yes, they're going to see other sales for like properties and then price it appropriately. And then if it's a good property, you know, well, not staged, but well presented. Uh, I think staging right now is probably, uh, it depends on, uh, you know, the, the, the property, of course. But um, they're getting, they're still getting the same offers than over asking price. So it's, it's, it's you don't have to discount the property to get that activity. Gotcha. Now, with that said, um, you know that restaurants don't use dollar signs when they do food. So, like, if you go into a restaurant, you'll see a steak that costs 36 It doesn't say dollar sign 36 So, it's kind of one of those psychology things where you're like, oh, uh, it, it's a little bit easier. Restaurants, you know, food is... Uh, Retail stores do things like it's a dollar ninety nine versus two dollars because dollar ninety nine yeah. still sounds like a dollar and still doesn't go like two dollars. Real estate agents are kind of doing the same exact thing. A home priced at four hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars sounds cheaper than half a million five hundred thousand. It's only a yeah. dollar, but yeah, it tell is. that to your mortgage guy though. Yeah, tell that to the, your mortgage. You're yeah. absolutely right because um, it's it's you still know the it's still a number. I mean, if you're buying a house and and you're being sold because it says nine 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 instead of zero zero zero, that's crazy. But no, it's not because like if you're Chinese or Asian in particular, ending with a number eight and not the number four, it's you know considered good luck. The Chinese word for eight is pronounced in a manner similar, manner similar to the word prosperity, wealth, and good fortune. So if you're you know trying to sell to a Chinese buyer or you're in a market that a Chinese buyer may be enthralled with, you know pricing a house at three hundred ninety-eight thousand eight hundred is better than pricing it at four hundred thousand dollars. And we've heard ridiculous stats about how much Asian dollars are coming in the United States real estate market. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's just in China, they don't trust their government. So they're, you know, putting their, their money into the U S markets in dollars. And one of the best ways to park money in dollars is sometimes in real estate as perceived. So um, if I were to put my house up for sale today, 
there's a pretty good chance. There'd be an eight in it? There would be an eight in it, and there's a pretty good chance that an Asian buyer would be at least seeing the home, hmm. if not purchasing the home. In Nevada, they use the number seven a lot. So you put a house up for sale, you're $277,777 because the psychology is lucky sevens. Um, if you're in the Bible Belt, remember? Um, do you remember watching the old Yankees games and there was always a guy behind home base that would put up the John 316 or maybe even football? I think mm-hmm. there's a guy – there's always – when the field goal would come up, there would always be that guy who – field goal or extra point. There would always be a guy who would throw up the John 316. So if you're in the Bible Belt, you know – Putting a home with a 316 reference into it is a smart thing. Putting a home with a 666 reference, not the wisest thing. So, you know, after the movie, I'm the omen. My brothers scoured my forehead to see if there was a 666 <laughs> on it. I, I swear. So that movie, I was too young to see it, but it freaked them out. Um, and they wanted to make sure that it was. Oh, no, it's not 666. It's 999. Son of the Devil? No. Oh yeah, they're reading. They're reading, they're reading it upside reading. down. Yeah, but, yeah. So I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So anything else that we need to know about pricing of homes or pricing of mortgages? Um, mathematically, numbers. You know, when it does come down to multiple offers, you are going to compete against other buyers, and the price could go up. Um, not only above asking price, but above appraised value, which means now your down payment represents a less percentage. So if you're stuck on a percentage as a down payment, make sure you get pre-approved for that higher amount. Uh, with that lower down payment. That's you know, a pretty smart thing to do. A lot of people are, are saying, well, I only have this much money. Well, there are second loans you can get. You can also do mortgage insurance. But some people that end up with 20% and then they go over at appraised value, now that's 18%, they have mortgage insurance. And that might kick them out of qualifying because of that extra mortgage insurance payment. So it really is important to make sure that you run those scenarios with your loan officer. With that said, if you want to contact Tony Mendez, you can find him at com. That's com. One of the areas that I'm, I'm always constantly intrigued by, Tony, is how different the real estate market looks on a regular basis. Um, psychologically, you know, um, I think we're moving into a period now where I'm hearing from the average person in the Bay Area um, some concern about home prices potentially falling. Or rates rising. Um, The psychology, you know, when low rates were there, people loved them, but they didn't necessarily say, now I have to do this. But the moment that people are starting to talk about interest rates moving higher, i.e. the Fed stopping quantitative easing, you're hearing more people on CNBC saying, you know, well, that's going to lead to higher mortgage rates. Um, You've heard the Fed say, we'll probably raise interest rates late 2015 at the earliest, and that'll probably equal higher mortgage rates. Um, The reality is that's a long time. And we're still historically pretty cheap. Like if you and I were having this conversation 10 years ago and we predicted, you know, 10-year treasury where it is today and mortgage rates for a 30-year mortgage, a 30-year jumbo, a 15-year Yeah, you're talking mortgages. Uh, If you're buying a house in cash, it's not cheap. Um, So that's why mortgages have been pretty popular lately and and cash buyers have been decreasing. Those investors have already done their job and they helped get rid of a lot of distressed properties and now it's left with pretty much the normal transactions. Uh, Distressed properties are back to normal across the nation. Uh, here in the Bay Area, it, it hit that mark much earlier, um, just plainly because the the, the prices were, were starting to go up. Um, you're getting a mortgage, and that's a, and if you get a 30-year fix, that's a fixed payment for 30 years. Uh, it doesn't change for inflation. It doesn't ad- adjust to your income. It's going to stay the same. So uh, people are, are realizing that 4% to 5% range 
is something that is attractive. And it, 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 I think in the Bay Area, it could still push up rates. I'm sorry, home prices. But something that is also a interesting statistic is that arm usage in the Bay Area is actually still below its average of 40%. We're down about 26% right now. In 2007, when home prices were being pushed up by loans like arms and other negam loans and start starter rate uh, loans like that, uh, it was up to 60-something percent, 65%. So we still got a ways for people to start warming up to um, arm rates, but when and it, it may not happen until rates start going back up, and that'll still build a little bit more room for prices to keep going up, even as the Fed, um, you know, their monetary policy can affect the ultimate yield on the 10-year and, and change rates for mortgages. For someone who's retired, um, and this happens in the Bay Area a lot where, you know, you get a lot of money, you do a good 401k, you get some stock options, and you stop working, but you have a lot of assets, $3 million, $4 million, $5 million sometimes, um, but you're also retired, and you say, the income stream is just, I'm going to live off my, my wealth. How tough is it to get a mortgage if you have a lot of assets? Not, you- not terribly difficult at all. As a matter of fact, if you, there are a lot of people that have 401ks and large IRAs that that they, qual- or, they qualify off that alone. They can, well, they have to have a qualified what they call a qualified asset, and they do what they call an asset depletion loan. Okay. Fannie Mae does that. There are also other aggressive lenders that will um, have higher calculations, and you can supplement any other kind of Social Security and pension benefits uh, that uh, on top of those numbers to help your debt to income ratio and help you qualify. You know, it's always recommended though that. Um, you know, if you're retiring and, and you know you're retiring, you have a good income, and you may not qualify down the road, just go ahead and refinance and stretch that out or figure a way to pay it off. Or the advice I would give is consider talking with a CFP. CFP, yeah, because that ultimately, you know, it gets so complicated. You're, people are living a lot longer. Um, they may outlive their mortgage now. Um, they may they may get a 15-year and decide and then somehow have the medical problems. I mean, it's, it really does come down to CFPs. We're working more and more often with CFPs and CPAs going into transactions nowadays. I'm trying to get, like, I'm feeling a little needy recently, so I keep saying I'm probably going to die soon. And the sad thing is, is I have a mortgage. If I died, that would that would stink. Um, I don't know if that story even should be fleshed out at this point in time or not. My psychological needs of, um, I need approval. You know, um, I got an email yesterday from a guy who said, hey, thanks, Rob. Um, I've been listening to your show on and off for many, many years. And uh, because of you, I went back. I finished college. And I'm like, Psh, did I re- am I really responsible for a 30-year-old man finishing college and later in life thanking me for that? Like, it's a heavy burden. But I still need that kind of approval. So anyone who wants to drop me an email and say lovingly and sweet things to me and, and or send pictures and or send toenails, I have a nice toenail collection. Drop me an email, Rob at robblackshow.com. It's Rob at robblackshow.com. You can find Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source, at bayarealonesource.com. It's bayarealonesource.com.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeartRadio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I do a little quiz on people to see if they're ready to buy a home. And you have to probably run through these scenarios sometimes yourself. Um, first thing is, and you have to score eight points in order to, to get the approval to buy a home. First question is, are you sure you want to buy a home? That's a pretty good question. I'm sure you've run into people who want to buy a home and then they can't afford the home that they want to buy. And then they're like, you know, my rent's pretty good. Like I, someone emailed me yesterday, a chef. She's paying $1,000 rent for a lovely place in Oakland and she wants to buy a home. I'm like, why? She's like, well, my husband has a VA loan thing that I can get for 1.1%. I'm like, save it. Use it later. Or buy a rental property with that or something. Like, if you're paying a thousand dollar rent and that's and she's like, Yeah, if we buy a house, it's probably gonna be in a more blue collar area and I won't be able to have my yuppie drinks and my, you know, trendsetter um afternoons. So and I was like, just stay. Next I'm not sure if that many realtors are, are walking around with buyers saying, Are you sure you wanna buy this house? That's true. So yeah, definitely something that's just kind of a self test here. Um I've got a car with hundred and twenty nine thousand miles, and if I were the average person I may need a new car in the next two, three years. So I have to factor that into, do I want to buy a home that's going to stretch my income to the point that, uh uh-oh, what if my car breaks down and I need a new car? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have a big expense in the next two years, don't buy a home. So that's you have to answer yes to that one. Third question is, do you expect to stay in your current job for more the next two to three years? Um, That's something you talk to people about. Absolutely. It's not... Not- it's, it's something that we, we definitely hit over the last eight years where people were losing their jobs. And um, as a matter of fact, I was in a transaction where uh, somebody lost their job while we while he put an offer in. We got the loan submitted and accepted. Uh, I'm sorry, approved. And he lost his job. So they couldn't verify his income. Luckily, his wife made enough, but it, it was happening quite often. So, yeah, you know, for, especially self-employed people when their incomes are up and down, up and down, and we have we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. This is kind of a tricky uh, scenario that we have coming up. Definitely look at that long-term income. The Bay Area is very expensive to do business in, and we've seen some companies up and go to Dallas or to Texas. Thank you, Governor Rick Perry, and your commercials that run on this station. To, it's a business station. We're running ads to take business out of the state of California. You go figure that one out. Um, but that's another question. Are you in a business that may downsize and or move you out of the state for cost reasons? If you answer yes. When, when we bought, when we bought a house, my wife and I, we knew that we, we bought it expecting that if one of us lost our job, we could always use that other person's income to pay for the mortgage. I know that's not always happening now. And, and I, on a daily basis, I'm working with people who barely qualify with both incomes. It's got to be pretty scary looking at that scenario. When Do you when, ask them the question, are you sure you want to buy this home when you see their income is 150 combined and you know it's going to be 50% of their paycheck is going to that mortgage? When the best qualifying borrower is a self-employed borrower because they use their, their, their net income, okay? 
on a W-2 employee, they use their gross income. So, and they use the same ratios. So technically the W-2 borrower has all the same expenses that a, in, in many cases that a self-employed borrower has, um, but they qualify them at a higher amount, which in reality is crazy. So you, a lot of people don't, don't look at that and they still have these really high ratios. Now qualified mortgages and the Dodd-Frank and all these things that happen, we're supposed to change the debt to income ratio and bring it lower. Yet people are still with high credit and good incomes, solid incomes, not I'm not talking about dollar amounts. I'm talking about solid income and employment are getting approved at higher than the, the, than the standard still, even FHA is doing that. So the guidelines are pretty loose for these people who already loose for people who could theoretically be losing their jobs or being downsized. One thing that I'm sure you ask people when they come in and say, I would like to get a mortgage. First thing is one of the first things you go, what's your income, but what's your credit? Um, If you want to buy a house, you have to have good credit. In my opinion, if you're going to get a loan, there's no way around. You have to have good credit to great credit. You can't be buying a house with subpar or with mortgage write-offs. Like, yep. You have to improve the credit. You could have a 640 score and I could have a 740 score. And I, on a $400,000 loan, I would spend about $2,700 a year less than you. I think you have to have for money for home. In this market, you have to have money for a down payment minimum. If you don't have a lot, you're not going to be qualified to the seller. Um, you got to cover closing costs. That's not cheap. It adds up. Have you been pre-qualified for a mortgage? Do you know how much you can borrow? I think you know before you buy a home, you should pre-qualify. That should, should be the first on the list, second on the list, actually. Yeah. And uh, again, if you don't know how much you could buy, then why are you even looking at homes? It's it's silly. Like, do I want a four million dollar home? Yes. Do I want the four million dollar mortgage? Not a chance. Or the taxes that come with it? Oh, the taxes. Um, will your existing debt reduce your ability to qualify for a mortgage? Um, if you have a lot of debt, you may not qualify. So that's maybe something that you want to, you know. We've actually run scenarios where people, and, and going back to that down, the down payment and debt scenario, it, we've looked at somebody putting, let's say, 20% down, and then they have a large car payment. They go, you know, we may not qualify for this loan amount. Well, we've taken some of their down payment and paid off the car, the $400, $500 yeah. payment. That, re, that actually frees up about $1,000 of um, more mortgage they can buy on a payment. And that helps them qualify for more. So some people are doing that, switching the utilization of their their down payment to pay off debt to get in that situation. We talk about that all the time. I talked to a financial planner about that this week. Anyway, that's Tony Mendez. Those are just some of the questions that you should be asking before you buy a home or before you even shop for a home. Um, something to look into. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com. I always have an event coming up, public speaking engagement. I'm going to be doing two. One's going to be on you know, wealth accumulation, and one's going to be on wealth management and wealth distribution as you retire. So obviously one for the younger people, one for the older people. Go check it out at robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Buying a home is difficult. That's one of the things that I think about. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Buying a home is difficult. It's on my mind a lot because I feel bad for people who don't have a home. It's like there's a little psychology of like it's nice to own your own home and pay yourself rent and go to Home Depot and buy some planter boxes and decide like, ooh, I'm going to grow you know, uh, herbs. Arabs is the right way of saying that. Arabs from Provence. Um, but yeah, so it's difficult. It's probably even more difficult now than I would say at any point in my life. Again, where I live, yes. Where other people live, no. Um, buying in my town, it's almost impossible. There's so little inventory yeah. and there's so much demand. Like my town is going to have a problem because they don't – so many people want to live there in the last five, ten years that a lot of young families have moved there. They don't have a high school ready for that. Hmm. So where the high school is going to be in 10 years, I mean, there's, they have to build a high school in the next 10 years. Their middle schools are getting overcrowded. And then real estate values can drop because, you know, you send too many kids to a, a elementary school and, uh, you know, the teachers start losing their mind. They start yelling at the kids. Test scores go down. Um, it's all part of the problem. It's all part of the equation. So anyway. Well, it's not only the buying side. It's the mortgage side as well. And they haven't made it easier on that end as well. So – it really just means that you have to just really think this through, go through your, you know, the process of those, you know, self tests that you you just talked about last segment, where, you know, you, you really have to question what you're buying and why you're buying it. Does it fit in your short term, long term? So one of the areas that uh, I want to talk about owning a home was it's very generationally different. For my parents, owning a home was the fulfillment of the American dream. If you had a home, if you had a pension, you had Social Security, you basically were set for life. Like your parents kind of – they kind of have that. Um, with that said, uh, it's not true today. So owning a home is just part of the puzzle. And for some people, renting is going to be better than owning a home in retirement because it's going to be cheaper for them. And they didn't save enough in their 401k early enough. Yep. So they yep. have to you know, play this mathematical game of what am I going to do? There was a recent stat that came out that the largest growing – portion of the um, age groups, yes. the 55 to 64-year-olds are growing f- faster as renters than the younger people. So yeah, a lot of people are considering renting nowadays. Um, they're closer to work, closer to some of the amenities that they like to be near. And they're also looking at those financial situations where you know we're going into retirement. Uh, this is a cheaper option for us. We don't have a house to sell or we've been in foreclosure or short sale and they can't buy. So more renters. Uh, and who's making out right now are the landlords by far. Compared to renting, 
owning a home has a lot of advantages, including the homeowner's monthly payment does not change. Renters typically face that annual rent increase or an attempt at it. Um, a large portion of the homeowner's monthly payment is tax deductible, but rent payments are not. Then again, you don't have to pay for property taxes if you're renting. Or maybe your landlord's kind of building it into the rent, so to speak. The homeowner's monthly payment eventually stops when the loan is paid off. Renters pay for life forever and ever. And if you buy a home in a townhouse or a condominium, you will always have those uh, condo fees. And a good friend of mine bought a home in a condo last couple of years ago. And, you know, their their homeowner fees were stable and good. They had, you know, a lot of money. Then magically in like one or two years, it all disappeared and they have to raise homeowner fees a lot. And like $400 extra a month. And mm-hmm. she's like, I can't afford that. Yep. Um, and I've, I've never heard of that dramatic of a scenario, but it does happen. So I, I always said townhouses are, are white trash investments and they are everywhere in America, except for luxury areas like San Francisco, Hawaii, where they're not. (laughs) And it stinks like stocked in a townhouse, white trash ghetto. You live in the ghetto. Um, and you hear babies crying all night long. I love Cartman. Honestly, um, I know some. I have a friend who's looking to adopt, and if he could adopt Cartman, I'd be like, I will be his godfather. I will lavish him with gifts. I will love him unconditionally if he, if he can get Cartman. There has to be a kid out there who's just like Cartman, right? Yes, Eric. Homeowners can design and decorate their homes virtually as they want. Renters suffer a lot of restrictions. Increase in home value belongs to the homeowner. Renters keep none of that. When uh, like- yeah, there's definitely a trade-off, Rob. Oh, yeah, there and, is. And um, you know, we have the same amount of homes and more than we did in you know 2007. Yet our homeownership rate in the United States is five percent lower than it was. So there's a or lot maybe of, maybe it was five percent too high. It could have been five percent too high. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Of, you have to remember how many investors bought homes in cash. And you had large companies that were buying bulk homes, thousands at a time, uh, and those have become rental properties as well. And and they've even become real estate investment trusts because of that. Um, so there's there was a big shift in the in in equities here in assets when when you know landlords bought all this. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com. Um, so you're a mortgage lender, right? How's that? Acti- mm-hmm. How's activity these days? It's actually picking up. Okay. Um, the applic- not- applic- you know, rates have been low. We, we actually had a, f- a five weeks, according to the Mortgage Bank Association, we have five weeks of declines in mortgage applications across the board, refinances and purchases. And it just finally started picking up, um, which is interesting is rates are kind of the same as where they were. So it, it was really slow summer. I mean, five weeks going back to the beginning of June, we had just such a, a low amount of activity. It was it was pretty weak summer, very disappointing summer. Phone so, was not ringing. Well, I'm, I'm talking nationwide as far as sales. Okay. Uh, they're down. Uh, home new home sales are down. Existing home sales are up marginally. Um, Which would you rather have, a new home or an existing home? Are you talking Bay Area or? I'm just general in, in, question. I'd rather have a new home. Okay, but I don't mind an, an existing home because I've done work on homes before, and if I've owned a, existing homes before. If I have a new home, I would want it to be really top quality. 
the, the well, there's too many new homes to me that I'm like that feels. Like but then a again, home. That, that feels like a Home that Depot. Home, that uh, most of the existing homes are in the areas that people want to be in. New homes have are new communities, new schools, and and they're usually farther away. Look what happened in Mountain House. There were just huge amounts of new homes went up, and now they're they're it's a ghost town for the most part, or or, or it was. Uh, but it's still really far away. During the commercial break, I want you to look up Thousand Oaks, California. Okay. It's where Tiger Woods has a home. It's where a lot of celebrities have homes. In Florida? No. In Oh, Thousand Oaks down in... Um, north of LA. Yeah. Um, or it's actually probably technically in LA, but LA is kind of this big sprawl at this point in time. But I read something interesting on it. Anytime I'm driving through a city, I always Wikipedia the city. Like I want to learn, like, what's the city famous for? It's famous for being the first planned community that stuck 100% to the plan, and to this day it still has. And that's just a weird concept to try to explain to people. So, like, so you know, like if I go to Half Moon Bay, I'll look up Half Moon Bay on a Wikipedia, see how many white people are there, see how many black people are there, see where it was founded by Portuguese fishermen, things like that. Um, I always like knowing a little bit about the areas that I go to. That's all I got for you. So we're going to talk maybe Thousand Oaks, maybe not. Maybe we'll be talking when we come back about witchcraft probably not but maybe we could talk about paying for colleges paying for a rental at a college town anything you want to talk about we could talk about pick up the phone 800-516-1220 it's 800-516-1220 hint hint wink wink nudge nudge poke poke what i mean what i mean lightning flash call the show 800-516-1220 find me online at robblack.com You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the areas that I want to talk about is timeshares. I don't know one person in the world. Well, wait, wait. let me start this concept over again. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Timeshares, let's talk about them. Let's do it. I don't know. I can count on like, a two-fingered hand, if I'm a, a wallabus, a wallaby platypus, uh, also known as wallabus, who only has two fingers, I could count on one of the, his hands how many people I know that are happy with timeshares, and they both have had like tr- head trauma. Um, millions of other people regret getting them. When you buy a timeshare, you're buying the right to vacation or resort for the same one oh, every two weeks every year, two weeks every year, or something like that. Um, not attractive. Yeah, that was so 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, you know, they were pushing people going on vacations. Hey, if you're going to go on vacation two or three times a year, you might as well, you know, invest. And you can, you know, it's a free vacation, free place to stay, and you can choose where you want to go. Um, unfortunately, the the places that 
were going up for sale were not in the most attractive areas, but they were selling it by saying, oh, well, you're, you're getting yourself into this club where you can access all of these other places everywhere else. But those are the, in the desirable places where already take, the, you know, that you can kind of block off the times that you, if you're that owner, yeah. you can block off the time and say in the premium time. So you don't get the access to those places um, as easily uh, because nobody wants to stay in your place because you, you bought it in a crappy area. So, and they're expensive, and it's a and it's a kind of a sleazy process. I, I don't know if you've ever gone through it. I've I've done it a couple times, and it's just it's awful. <laughs> I'm not dumb enough to go through it once. Oh, it was awful. So I got a free vacation out of it, sort of. Yeah, you know, I had to sit a couple hours through through a process. It was and you had to give them a hundred dollars, and they say well, you don't get the money back until you finish the whole thing, and it's pretty sleazy. Yeah, it's they they basically put pressure on you. Yeah. Oh, it's really high sales. Okay, if you really want to get your money back, you have to go sit in this line and then sit in this line and then talk to this person and then make a phone call here. So most buyers pay too much for their timeshares. And again, it's drudgery going to the same place every year. Now, there are some timeshare. There, the, one, the one business model that I kind of liked, but I really liked it in the 90s versus today, Disney had a pretty good one where if you have kids and you're going to travel with kids, you might as well look into like a Disney timeshare because you can – you, you basically buy points. You buy 2,000 points for you know, uh, $10,000. And then those points can work at the resorts. They can work at the hotels. They can work at the theme parks. They can work at the, – the, they're multi-use. So if you have kids that are into the Disney thing – and not all Disney properties are egregiously uh, Disney. So, I mean, you're probably not going to want it when you're 18 years old. But um, it, it, was, it was one of the more interesting ones. And um, then again, like every year that I go to like, I do a lot of celebrity auctions and things like that. And I always look at, I always go by the silent bid on the um, vacation rentals. And basically what I saw was a lot of people give up their um, timeshares. They give them to charities because it's right off at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they're not attractive. They are not attractive. Yeah. I think vacation properties are probably a better option for most people listening to the show. Um, you know, we're in California. There's so many great places that you can vacation to and, and, and look at it as an investment. Um, block off the times you want to go and then rent it the rest of the year. Um, that's definitely, I think, a better option. You're building equity. You're, um, you're getting some tax write-offs and you're vacationing in places you like to go. I mean, Tahoe is a great place. and um, I mean, there's so many other places along the coast. You're legally required to pay off timeshares, and you're legally required to pay annual operating costs. And I agree with you about you know potentially buying a vacation home and putting it on Airbnb and you know blocking off some of the time for your family per se, maybe even getting a partner or you know a couple families in. Um, if you want out of a uh, vacation, I'm sorry. If you want out of a timeshare, you got to see if the developers you know still selling timeshares. You got to ask senior management if they're willing to buy yours back. It's a long shot, probably not going to happen. Trying to find a buyer if your loan is fully repaid. Try donating your timeshare. Like, it's just I've I've never seen people get into a good situation with it. More often than not, people just absolutely. I run into so a couple people here and there that have them on their credit, um, but it doesn't. You know, I've I've always asked them. I said, "Do you use it?" And really, you know, on occasion, somebody says, "You know, we we've done really well with it. We, you know, we 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 have another one that we've paid off and." Um, it's, it's always the people who are always happy with timeshares are the people who go on vacations a lot. And that means to me, you want to find a timeshare if you do it and in, in the most desirable area that you can find, just don't buy one wherever so that you can get your hands on other properties elsewhere. 
timeshares, and I've heard commercials in radio where it's just honestly, it, it's a con man. And it's really unfortunate. Like, the next big area for vacations is going to be, you know, uh, Palm Springs deserts. It's it's not like, wait, 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 is that Palm Springs? Like, why did you add an extra word there? And there's no water in the city and you buy this timeshare. <laughs> like, there's a city in California named Aqueduct City that doesn't have any water. And people own property there. And basically, it's just a ghost town. Um, anyway, with that being said, if I had a timeshare, what I would do, I would say, Tony, I'll give you my timeshare. I would just give it away. Like, that's that's one thing that you can do. If you want to unload it. Give it to someone who's willing to take on the financial obligations. Don't make them pay the same ridiculous price that you did. Anyway, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, um, talking about vacation rentals. I was talking to a guy at the gym yesterday, and it was a pretty interesting conversation because we're both naked in the steam room, which is always kind of slightly awkward. Um, I don't like chatting in steam rooms. I don't like eating in steam rooms. I, I have some weird rules that you can't break in steam rooms, but I'm trying to be more social and break out of my shy shell. And um, we're talking about skiing. And uh, he's got two kids, uh, five and a half and three and a half. And he's like, yeah, my wife's on vacation. Sister's 50th birthday. And I got the two kids and they're, they're great. And she's like, they are not. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, so, and then he goes, yes, yeah, so I took, um, he goes, best deal in town. Um, at incline, you can get, um, Unlimited skiing for kids, a lift pass for free under five during the summer. If you wait till the winter, it's not the case, but it lasts all year long. I'm like, that is a pretty good deal. Like, I should mention that to people. Um, and we're talking about vacation rentals in that area. And, like, if you get a vacation rental in Incline, it's kind of close to the beach, kind of close to the lifts. So if you get it in Squaw, you're, you're kind of close to the lifts, but you're not close to the beach. It'll be rentable during the winter. It will not rent during the summer. Um, so there's some instructors that basically, um, rent it during the summer. Like he's figured out a way to pull it off. Um, but it sounds like a lot of work. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So you have to think about where you're buying and what sort of, what if you're buying like to live in, is it close to work? Is it close to freeways? If you're buying a vacation there, is it good for winter? Is it good for summer? Is it good for both? Uh, big questions. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Roberto Negro, Edoleros. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the areas that I do like to talk a lot about is real estate. Because when I came to the Bay Area, and I was an East Coast transplant, and I was recently telling someone that women on the West Coast really liked men from the West East Coast. 
because I had a friend who like, uh, she went to college in Santa Cruz and, uh, she was like, yeah, all the guys there are surfers and, um, they just don't pay attention to girls. I'm like, that's interesting. East coast guys can't surf. So we have a little more time on our hands per se. And we're not like, Hey, uh, it's Saturday morning. I'm gonna go roll and surf. And, uh, where does this story have, where am I going with this one? I have no clue. You moved here from the East Coast. And oh, in real estate. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I was a little shocked by you know the value that people put on real estate, sometimes in egregious levels. Hey, as long as everyone's doing it, not just half of them, right? Well, again, it's I think brand new real estate. Hold on, wait. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. When I moved here a few years ago. 13, 14, 15 years ago, whenever the show's airing, I don't know. Could be a repeat. <laughs> um, I found that a lot of people in the Bay Area really loved real estate. And times have changed. And, like, my parents had real estate and your parents had real estate. And my mom owns mostly owns the home she lives in. Um, and my dad had a great pension. And Social Security's okay. And, you know, it's enough to cover her medical costs. And that's not going to be the case with me. So real estate has a different meaning to me. Because I'm not going to have a pension. You know, my sugar booger won't inherit my pension when I die. There has to be enough money to cover sugar booger till she dies. Um, and if you get children involved in the equation, you know, do you want them to go to college, not go to college? Do you want them to have an inheritance, not have an inheritance? Um, so real estate plays a much different role, um, psychologically speaking, in my world. Now, again, not everyone in the Bay Area is going to share the same opinion. As well, there's a lot of people in the Bay Area that started out that way, Rob like your parents, like my parents, it's changed quite a bit. There's a lot more incomes in the Bay Area, and that drove up home prices. And people can actually afford the homes in the Bay Area. You have to remember, that over the last several years, uh, the people who are buying homes actually qualified for them. So they're, you know, with their incomes, with their credit score, there was no starter rates, no teaser loans, no liar loans, um, no stated incomes. These are people who actually afforded their homes. So it's, technically, we're in a very healthy real estate market in, in that aspect. Um, and these people are going to fund, you know, 401ks and IRAs are pretty well pushed here. Most of the people I run across have a good 401k or, or a plan to keep building their 401k. We're not looking at a lot of people buying that, you know, that's using all of their cash to put into a house, which is, I think is crazy. And people still do that, but we don't see it that often here. We, we're seeing people, a lot of couples, a lot of families, very few uh, individuals buying a, a property that is, you know, over a million dollars, but they're there um, because the incomes are here and it's going to eventually play out positive for the Bay Area because now those homes in 20, 30 years are going to be paid off and more equity is going to be built. There's no, they're not building any more homes here, Rob. So we're just flipping stocks and those stocks are the houses and they're going to keep rising What's slowly in, in some points and faster in others. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think as long as the job market stays healthy, yes. But one of the things that is different from 2004, and I'm going to say somewhere around 2004, just randomly, maybe a year or two before, maybe a year or two after, but after the dot-com implosion, um, it's funny. We can hate the Google employees like, oh, they, they're taking buses. They're leaving the city and taking buses. But then again, they're not putting cars in the city and there's a lot more parking spaces in the city than there ever have been because of it. And um, I think as long as the jobs are here. But well, I think companies York, like Google and – Well, wait. Let me finish this thought real quick. New York City's rocking. It is rocking in uh, 
dot-com kind of companies or social media companies. And those used to be here. And now it's pretty easy to set up businesses anywhere. So are you saying that one or two companies that move out of the Bay Area could have a drastic effect? Or maybe the next big one. You know, we got, we got, I'm not going to say we got lucky. We have the infrastructure for it. We got Facebook, we got Twitter, we got Google. A lot of smart people here too. I know, but smart people like New York City as well. Smart people one day, will they like Atlanta? Probably not as much, but maybe Miami. East Coast, West Coast. Surfing, um, surfing and good weather and East Coast there's no money, re- BMWs and cold weather. There's no reason Rome that. won't become the next big capital or Shanghai or, you know, Shanghai is obviously doing very, very well for the record. But um, and also as the as the force, you know, we don't need that many employees as technology continues to evolve and become greater and easier to implement. Um, the need for thousands of engineers becomes the need for hundreds of engineers. So that's the only thing that that's the big question mark that I continue to look at, you know, how many startups are coming? What's the rent space looking like the office rent space, because you need that to have a healthy job. And you could be very right that, that right now the cost of money is pretty cheap and businesses are doing very well. They can attract more people and more startups. Um, how long can that last? And is it just look like a rosy picture right now? Are we too short sighted? Uh, possibly, uh-huh. but you know, you can't overlook the fact that, there's no more homes being built in the Bay Area, and that money's cheap right now, and people have taken advantage of that. There are and homes it, being built in the Bay Area, though. Like, mm. I live right next to an ex-horse uh, track that got torn down and got turned into condos. I'm, I'm seeing buildings go up every day on 101. I'm seeing cranes everywhere. And, um, like, they just built a new hospital. Like, what was industrial part of my town is quickly turning into commercial. Um, an industrial warehouse is turning into, like, a hospital. And again, that's good. It's going to you know, bring jobs to my neighborhood and bringing jobs to my neighborhood will keep my real estate value high. But I don't think a lot of people in the Bay Area realize how important it is to have a healthy job market to create and maintain a healthy real estate market. We've been pretty self-sustaining for quite a bit of time now. And we did go through some changes. Yeah. Uh, the Bay Area once was a defense uh, contractor uh, area. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Now let's go to Saul in San Raymond. Hey, Rob, how you doing? I'm in San Ramon, actually. No, no, you didn't get the memo. They changed the name. Oh, did they? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, ramen, noodles, hey. ramen noodles bought it, and um, oh, okay. they got the naming rights. <laughs> hey, uh, I actually had a, a 401k question for you, if I could. Um, sure. The uh, maximum contribution is 17500 correct? Sure. If you're under- that all, does that also include your employee contribution or just your own contribution? Just your own contribution. Okay, perfect. But I, actually, if I could ask Tony a quick question, if you don't mind. Mm, sure, no. go ahead. <laughs> hey, hey, Tony, how you doing? I talked to you on your show uh, a couple of months ago. I called you because I had told you that I was uh, priced out of this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm originally from the Bay Area, moved to San Antonio. I loved it there. I came back here unwillingly. I'm here now uh, probably for the next four to five years. And I, to- I talked to you about buying a rental property before I eventually moved back there. I just got back two weeks ago, and um, I just wanted to talk to you about um, maybe uh, since my credit is uh, not where it should be, how what the steps I can do to uh, start um, getting it corrected, and um, maybe what I could do uh, because I, I, I give mixed uh, uh, messages. I hear people say I should buy a new building because there's it's booming there. So I mean, they got new homes, they have existing homes. Good God, this is a long question. <laughs> What's the question? I'm sorry. So what should I do to get my credit 
uh, fixed before I try to purchase a, a home there. And if you can just give me some advice on rental properties and what you think about it and if you know anything about the area. Sure. Tell me how much cash down payment you're working with and, and pro- property price. Um, property price, I don't, I want to be right around uh, in between 200 to 150 and, and that's a very nice home in San Antonio. That's a really nice home. And, and what, I would say by, by the time I move, by the time I leave, uh, I'm crossing fingers, uh, hopefully close to uh, – I could, close to purchasing the home cash if I wanted to. All right, so you can put a, a good down payment on that, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so one of the things you can do um, starting to fix your credit, and, and thanks for the call and the question, um, is you can buy, buy private, private money, okay? That will get you into the property if you're afraid that maybe prices will keep going up and you, and you just don't want to lose, maybe find the right property. Uh, private money is not as credit score oriented. It's more about your your whole business model going into that property. It may not cash flow as good because you have the um, you know the higher interest rate, the higher payment, uh, and you're using a little bit more cash than you have to if if you just use a conventional loan with twenty percent down, which is the minimum that you'd have to put for a rental property. And yes, there are credit score requirements um, for a rental property that you have to be very well aware of. Uh, and if they're short sales and foreclosures, then you might get forced into a private money situation. But equity in those situations really, really helps. Um, as far as fixing your credit, you know, get a copy of your credit report. You, ha- you know, check your derogatories, check, fi- find out why your credit score has gone down. And then you have to decide, you know, what level of repair you need. Is it some- simply as just using a- the creditor who pulled your credit to help facilitate something like a, a late a payment that you actually didn't make? make late and just throw in that payment and prove it and they get rid of it. Or you have to use a company that actually starts proving that they, the, 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 the creditors were wrong in the way they reported it. And the farther you get into that kind of invasive work, you're going to start spending more money. Um, but, you know, I would look at, at you know, the, 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 the pros and cons in, in each way, and it all comes down to the numbers. So um, credit's a pretty interesting situation, Rob. I know that you, at one point, you know, had had you know many many years ago had to fix your credit. I had to fix my credit. Everybody, I think, at one point had to fix their credit. Mine was out of college. Mine was a long. Yeah, ago. you know, and, and and nowadays we have a lot of people coming out of college with a lot of debt and credit issues. So it's it's something that everybody needs to concentrate on. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource dot com. That's BayAreaLoanSource dot com. I've always got seminars coming up. You can sign up for one at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black. You can find me in your area giving a speech on creating wealth and or protecting it. If you work for a company and want me to come speak to your company, I do it absolutely free. Um, I particularly like to talk to the younger workers who are in the 401k programs. So I'm a nice HR benefit and I have nothing to sell. Um, 
that's one of the things you really have to be careful on. And uh, you know, I work at a TV station, Cron, and once a year, Fidelity or whoever's managing their 401k will send some reps to come in. And I go to the meetings, and I'm probably 99% more educated than them on all things financial and money issues and 401k issues. And it, it's painful to watch um, the awkwardness of the sales of what product they're trying to push you into. Now, Fidelity is one of the better firms. So who your company's 401k is using is kind of important. Um, so anyway, what, what I was getting at is uh, I can help people make decisions um, for CTA, um, California Teachers Association. Um, there was a point in time where I was going both to L.A. and Northern California and talking to their new teachers um, about how to do their 403Bs because teachers have a pension, yes, but it needs to be supplemented with a 403B. You've got a pension called Social Security, but it needs to be supplemented with a 401K or with some other savings vehicle. So if anyone wants me, you can contact me, Rob at Rob Black Show, Rob at Rob Black Show com. You can also find my website if there's a form that you could fill out and just email me that way. That's at robblack.com. And again, I make nothing doing these. Just cover my expenses on costs of travel. Um, maybe a hotel if it's out of area. Um, I'd love to come and chit-chat and do all that and more. Anyway, you get the idea. Um, joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Mr. Mendez, real estate market is rapidly changing. One of the things that I love about a mortgage, and you're in the business of giving people mortgages, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you could buy a Tesla for $70,000. In the Bay Area, you buy a home for $700,000 with $200,000 down. Some big numbers. Big numbers. Um, but you know the nice thing about that, that mortgage is it doesn't change. And that's the value of it. When you first get it, you're struggling. Um, you're scraping, but then you get a raise. And, you know, you have kids and then you're struggling even more. But then the kids get old and move out of the house. And that cost goes away, hopefully. Unless they come back like a boomerang and live with their parents. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Not me. Not Tony. Someone else. <laughs> um, so a mortgage doesn't change. Like a $3,000 payment this year will be yep. a $3,000 payment in 30 years. Taxes might change a little bit. Sure. Go up, you know. But, you know, it's locked in. Unless you're getting an arm, but... You know, you, you got to think that through before you even get it. Uh, you can save some money over time, and, and you can even qualify at the lower rate with the arms. But uh, over the last several years, Rob, most people who've owned a home or bought a home or refinanced actually qualify. So the rules have tightened, and it's really cleaned up the uh, the type of mortgages people are getting. And it, it, I think it's really created a really healthy market here. One question that I get on a pretty regular basis is, I think the market's going to correct. I don't think, I think we're getting ready for another recession. What should I do? I'm like, who are you? Who are you predicting recessions? And then typically it's like, well, I saw it on TV. I'm like, who is he? Like, um, a lot, I think our economy is in better position because of the last five years, because of the tightening of standards of lending, uh, because people have paid off debt pretty aggressively in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing that even more right now as equities have gone up. So anyway, mortgage is cheap money. That's the one thing that I always want people to think about. It, relative cost of money, like if you go out and charge money on a credit card, 12 to 20%. You know, and, and talking about you know peaks and, and troughs and 
you know, the, are we going to have another recession? When you lock this rate in, your payment stays the same no matter what your value of your property is. Yeah, okay, you're going to feel uncomfortable if it drops below, but you bought the house because you wanted to live there. You like the amenities. Uh, you like the room count. You might have another kid, and you have to sacrifice because you may not be able to buy another house, but it's what you wanted to buy. It's, it's your affordability level, um, and you're still paying off equity on that property every month. Um, you're, you're paying yourself rent. Uh, and it, it makes a ton of sense. And there's so many other things that you can do with the equities as they build. A lot of people are building up nowadays because they can't find another property elsewhere, so they're building up. And, and those equities help. So it's kind of a, a perpetual motion here, Rob, where equities go, we're supporting more uh, turn in, in, in cash and paying off debt, freeing up more incomes for doing other things. So it's really helping the economy in the Bay Area, exactly like you said. Sounds good. Um, another thing that, I like about mortgages and I don't necessarily always endorse this is a mortgage lets you sell your home without selling it by doing a refi. So if you have a million dollars of equity, you can take out $200,000 and go buy another piece of property. Um, some people do that. Some people find that ethical. Some people find that unethical, but there's the concept there. It, it is one of the, the step up programs that people use to buy real estate where they, can refinance property, take equity out of it at owner-occupied rates, owner-occupied guidelines, take that money and buy rental property that generates um, money elsewhere. Um, obviously, you have to look at the rate of return and, over a period of time with your tax benefits involved and the equity that you're paying off. And somebody else is paying that equity off. So it's a way that people can can uh, leverage their, their asset, um, unlike what you can do with a lot of stocks. And you can buy and get those dividends over a long, long period of time. Sounds good. It's Mr. Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Me? You can find me at RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone any day of the week and call the show, 800-516-1220. You listen to AM 1220, KDOW. It's a Friday. No work till Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.